I've seen this business model before. We've seen it in Europe, administered by the EU. I will illustrate. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Podcasts available on Odyssey. It don't cost nothing. And you can text STORE to 71307 and go get one of these shirts. I'm not wearing it right now, but I wear the Betsy Ross shirt. That's my combat shirt for Team Hell No. Now, this surge of you know the mig- the illegal immigrants have always been a they've always been a pawn they've always been used by both parties and uh, you know they you know they think of them as would be voters later on down the street that's not always going to work out the way they think they're not always going to turn out to be Democrats cheap labor absolutely uh, you know more federal funding and right now the U.S. military has a recruiting crisis. Which reminds me of the EU. See, the EU, because we did such a good job during the Cold War of defending them from the USSR, they were able to take their money and create all of these great welfare states. And then, of course, uh, it eventually got to this point to where within the welfare state, there were more takers than donators, right? There was not that many people working because lots of, lots of, uh, lots of populations have sort of slowed down having babies. So then they decided to import immigrants, right? Most of them being Islamic, although who knows? I don't know the exact makeup. Although the Islamics, the Islamic ones, they've come in. And a lot of them say that Britain is now a Middle Eastern country. But I digress. So they've gotten in there and now they've got these people working and everything. But it didn't really solve their problem. It's created another problem. Moving to our military now. Here is NPR interviewer Tom Bowman with a military recruiter. But even if you want to join the Army, you might not make the cut. A recent Pentagon study found less than one quarter of America's youth would qualify for military service without a waiver because they're overweight, have criminal records, or mental or physical health problems. So how are they trying to make up for those lost numbers? The Army is increasingly turning to those who recently arrived in the United States. The Army is hiring more immigrant recruits like Sergeant First Class Noella Laxon, whose family came from the Philippines. She's standing at a card table covered with brochures, lanyards, and dog tags. And uh, Sergeant First Class Laxon says, most of my applicants are immigrants because I kind of relate to them. You know a lot of them. Recently arrived. Hmm. Hmm. Would that include the border surge? Border surge was the news on September 25th. Now, the rules of military recruitment of foreigners normally means green card holders only. But according to an immigration attorney, there are exceptions. Certain immigration benefits may be available to members of the U.S. Armed Forces and or their immediate relatives. Unauthorized aliens may consider joining the military as a way to procuring status, but it is not a simple path. Undocumented immigrants are generally barred from serving in the military, though occasionally, especially in times of military need, an undocumented person might be allowed to join the Armed Forces in spite of this rule. So, we know that this asylum system that, you know, you got people like uh, AOC out there talking about, we know that that has abused and it's corrupted. And we got millions of people that are allowed to apply for a program 
which is basically just a way for them to have a little piece of paper that says, I'm good. And, you know, they permit entry to people in exceptional, specific conditions of governmental persecution. So, do we think that the post-Milly military might get out there and start to look for exceptions and waivers for illegals that it would like to find? And maybe this explains the refusal of the Milley Pentagon during the last years of the Trump administration to guard the border and to assist the Border Patrol since then only with paperwork because they see a recruiting pool. The Christian Science Monitor did a piece on this, dated June the 12th. Struggling to overcome recruiting shortfalls, the Army and the Air Force have bolstered their marketing to entice legal residents to enlist, putting out pamphlets, working social media, and broadening their outreach, particularly in inner cities. One key element is the use of recruiters with similar backgrounds to those potential recruits. It is one thing to hear about the military from locals here, but it is something else when it's from your fellow brother from the country you're from, said Miss Bedari, who was contacted by Army Staff Sergeant Calden Lama, the Dallas recruiter on a Facebook group that helps Nepalese people in America connect with one another. That brother was in the group, and he was recruiting, and he told me about the military. They have had success in recruiting legal immigrants, particularly those seeking a job, education benefits, and training, as well as a quick route to becoming an American citizen. But they also require additional security screening and more help filling out forms, particularly those who are less proficient in English. Originally, it read that the military prioritizes the recruitment of immigrants to combat shortfalls. Why did they take that out? They edited that part out of the article, which is still up on NPR right now. And uh, how are they getting... You have to... Okay, so here's the thing about the military. You have to have a security clearance in about 95% of the jobs, at least secret. Even the cooks might hear something when you're coming through. You know, if, if, you're, if you're working for the uh, military intelligence, as they call themselves, and you're out there and you're talking about things, which is a highly unlikely uh, scenario. But if you're doing that while you're getting your scrambled eggs and your, and your bacon and your, and your hash brown smothered covered in, you know, uh, you know, just some other things that end in ED, well, then that cook, if he hears it, they've got to be able to, to trust that this cook is not going to get on the phone and go, hello, Russia. Listen, I just heard this. Yeah. It was during breakfast. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah. Thanks. Where's the rubles? You got to trust that that's not going to happen. You got people handling weapons. You got people handling all of the logistics. You got people handling all kinds of things that are all crucial to a combat mission. So they all have to have a security clearance. Here we get this from a recruiter. We have to take exceptional measures to be able to thoroughly vet and go through the security clearance investigation. And he added that in many cases, the immigrants are not immediately put in jobs that require top secret clearance. So that means now we got more people in the military that are not deployable. We keep doing this. We keep doing this. Uh, and why didn't he say all the cases? What are foreigners from countries like Cameroon and Jamaica and Kenya and the Philippines, Russia and South Africa? What are they doing? with top secret security clearances. They have no loyalty to, to this country. They're not obliged to be loyal to this country. A few months ago, the U.S. Navy called a couple of recruited Chinese-American spies within their ranks, at least one of whom had access to restricted sensitive information, and handed it over to the Chi-Coms. What, what did he hand over? U.S. Naval exercise plans, operational orders, and photos and videos of electrical systems at Navy facilities. 
And when he got his U.S. citizenship, his Chinese spy master congratulated him online. Prosecutors said that Wei, who was born in China, was approached by a Chinese intelligence officer in February 2022 while he was applying to become a naturalized U.S. citizen and admitted to the officer that he knew the arrangement could affect his application. But then he provided photographs and videos of Navy ships, including the USS Exus, Essex, which can carry an array of helicopters, including the MV-22 Osprey. He, he included as many as 50 manuals containing technical and mechanical data about Navy ships, as well as details about the number and training of Marines during an upcoming absence. This is all, this is all, this is all, uh, you know, this is all very sensitive stuff, especially the systems and the manuals. If they know, if they get those, this is why we have, this is why they have a fifth generation fighter. It looks a lot like the F-22. Because somebody did that. Somebody gave that over to him. So why was he in the military at all? And how many of the higher-ups in the Wokester military waved him on through? This was a completely unforced error. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right. Coming up next, going to talk to Dewey Lemons from Dewey's Pawn Shop because it is 2A Tuesday. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. If you have a question for Mr. Lemons, you should text it to me right now. Joining me now from Dewey's Pawn Shop and Gun Traders on Wade Hampton Boulevard is Dewey Lemons himself. Must be busy today, huh? Yes, sir. We are covered up today. I was right in the middle of getting some muzzleloaders and selling some guys some silver all at the same time, and I'm... I'm telling my employees, say, hey, you got to help this person. I said, well, they got to wait. And then, then when you get on the phone, I can drop everything and run. They say, well, now how come Bill Frady don't have to wait? Well, <laughs> that's, because that's you're the star. It's not me. I'm just you don't have to wait. I'm just holding. I'm 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 holding back the curtain so you can take the stage because you're the star. I'm already being asked if you still have the AR-15s for three hundred forty-nine dollars. Uh, no, we sold out of them. Sold out of them. Well, yep, that's a good that thing. don't mean we won't get any more because we're still right. buying. We're still buying a lot of them. So we will. I would say within the next week we will have another one for that price. Yeah, and uh, where are they at now? Can you get them for five hundred bucks, six hundred bucks? Oh yeah, yeah, bucks? yeah. We got we got several. We got a good many in the five hundred dollar range. Yeah. Dewey has a fine selection of black rifles that you 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 don't you you have one, don't you? What do you have? The old uh, the old Colt. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got Colts out there. Sure we do. I but, I mean, them. you own a Colt, but you don't own a bunch of black rifles. I know, no. I don't own a bunch of black guns now. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we... He, hunt, we, he hunts bigger things. Yeah. This this day, today's been muzzleloader day. A lot of people... Muzzleloader day. Selling muzzleloader and buying muzzleloader. You know, it, um, it opened the season, I think, opened yesterday or day before yesterday for muzzleloader season up here. So, we got some nice muzzleloaders sitting out there and actually just bought some more off the street, so... Now, tell me the allure of the muzzleloader, because to me, I like to be able to set the gun up really fast, get ready to shoot and go. And there's a little more to the process with the muzzleloader, oh, right? Oh, a lot more process. It's it's a lot cooler. You, you mean, you're, you're, you're making that load and setting that gun, and you're doing it all yourself. You're not just sticking a bullet in and it's doing it by itself. You're, you're actually loading that thing with the powder, your wads, or your balls, or your maxi balls, or, you know, whatever you're loading it up with. 
um, you're doing it all yourself, and you and you know you can you'd be surprised how you can control, you know what it shoots and how good it shoots, and um, you know people people who hunt you know with muzzleloader it takes a lot more patience and a lot right. more practice. Right. Um, it's a, it's a little bit harder than just using a regular old gun, but it's it's fun. It's really fun. So I'm being asked if you were looking for a fun handgun, would you pick the 50 AE Desert Eagle? Or a 500 Magnum for a fun handgun. Which would you pick? No, I wouldn't pick either one of them. If you shoot them, you shoot the the 50 AEs better. It's not going to kick. It's not going to kick you near as bad as the Smith will. Right. Yeah, the 50 AE. If you if you got got to go with one of those two, yeah, the 50 AE would be a lot more fun. I'm just trying. I'm just. Does anybody even make a holster for the Desert Eagles? Yeah, oh yeah, Desert Eagle makes holsters for them guns. They got they got holsters for their own guns. But yeah, I've sure never seen a holster for the Desert Eagle. I've seen uh, holsters for the big revolvers. I've never seen a holster for. And I was just trying to think of, it, does anybody make an inside the waistband holster for the Desert Eagle? I would love to see that. That would be. I bet they don't. <laughs> that would probably be quite the thing. It'd be it'd be like trying to. Uh, you have to get your to, grandma to custom stitch one of them for you. Yeah. But I mean, that'd be like trying to conceal a, a you know, a, a big tire jack or something. I mean, That's you'd, you'd be right. taking that a lot wouldn't, of space. Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't work real good. Back to black, black, black to the muzzleloader with the black. That now it's using black powder. Yeah, black powder season is open right now. Yeah, I was. Um, it's it just in the upper part of state. The lower part of state, it's wide open. I, I was actually down there hunting last week for the rifle. You know, so um, but yeah, in the upper part of the state, the muzzleloader season is open now. And um, yeah, those muzzleloaders are fun. You got to be good, good. You know, you got to know what you're doing, loading the powder and everything. But it's not real hard. It's fun to do. And those muzzleloaders nowadays are really good. The accuracy is real good on them. And I mean, they got some that shoot better than you know regular rifles. They're just unbelievable accurate. And they're very dependable nowadays. But you do have to clean them. Take you got to take a little better care of them and that sort of stuff. I've got another question I need to ask you before I ask you the other question about black powder. But I had I had Ted Nugent on the show yesterday, and he carries 10 millimeters. And somebody on the text line wants to know what you have in the way of 10 millimeters in the shop right now. I got um, you probably see, got Glocks have, and 1911s. Don't I you? got maybe Glocks, some Smiths. I do. I have Glocks 10 millimeters. I just had a 10 millimeter come in just a. About two hours ago, I just put one in the inventory, and I can't remember what it is. I got 10-millimeter Glocks. I got 10-millimeter Smiths. Um, the 10-millimeter FNs are available. I don't know if I still have one of those or not out there. But then I had um, a couple of nine um, Kimber. I had Kimber 10-millimeter. Right. Uh, what was the other 10-millimeter we got in? Well, have you ever had yeah. a Bren 10 come through there? No, I hadn't seen a Bren 10 in a long time. Have you ever seen one? You've seen one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I've had several years ago. Were they pretty good guns? Uh, seemed to be. I never really shot them that much. They were such a collector's item and everything. Did um, you actually have magazines to go with them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I would love to. I'm being asked, do you sell black powder? No, we do not. We have Pyrodex, um, which is a substitute. And we we have the um, fire hots, the little pellets that are made already pre-measured, you know, 50 grains each pellet. We have those. Um, in fact, we just got some of those in. Uh, my question on the, on, on the, on the muzzle loader, how do you keep from overcharging your round? Because you're basically just pouring loose powder in there. You got, you got to measure it. You, they make a little measure. Okay. 
Yeah, you measure how much you put in there. So you get a little shot glass and you pour it into there and then that's you pour that. That's it. That's right. Yeah. You Is that essentially where it is? Shot glass in there and then there you, you go. Then when you kill your big deer, you use your shot glass to take a sip of whiskey. That's the way you do it. So but, I'm being asked, do you ever get the Conans in anymore? Or I guess that would be Coonan, right? Uh, uh-uh. no, don't see any of those anymore. They went out of business. Hadn't seen any in a while. I'm going to tell you a company that I wish they'd made a 10 millimeter because they made a double, a fine double stack 1911, and that was para ordnance. Did they ever make a 10 millimeter? Not that I know of. I don't think so. You know, another 10. I just got a Smith and Wesson 10 millimeter revolver that just got shipped to me. I saw that on my on my computer. I forget the model of that thing. Do you have that, to use moon the, clips with that for that? You probably um, do, don't you? I don't know. I don't remember. I hadn't had one in about. A year and a half, two years. I remember when they came out with them, they sold really good. And this is the first one I've seen in a while. And um, one of my distributors had it, and I said, yeah, send it to me. And um, they shipped that out to me yesterday. Well, I'm, I would imagine a 10-millimeter revolver means that you could sort of make a hot load for that one, couldn't you? Probably. I don't know how much powder you can stuff in a 10-millimeter. It's packed pretty good already, but I'm sure somebody can. With 10 millimeter, what's the hardest? It, now, it's going to be some sort of a cast bullet, right? For The only reason I, I – 10 millimeters are great bear guns to me. Do you, do you agree with that? 10 millimeters, um, a good bear gun if you ain't got a 4570 or a 338 or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> or a 44 mag. Well, okay, so like let's say you're a black powder hunter hunting deer and you got your 10 millimeter pistol with you because when you make that one shot that's going to take how many – how long does it take to reload a, bl- a muzzleloader? Oh, people are good, can do it in a minute or two. Maybe less than that. So if a bear's charging you at 40 yards in oh, a minute or two. if a bear's two, charging you, no, you're, you're, you're up the creek. Unless you pull that 10-millimeter pistol. That's right. And you, yeah. light him up, you can light him up with that thing, yep. <laughs> the bear that you killed, though, you I mean, you never got close to that bear for that bear. Did he even know you were there? The closest bear I ever shot was... Um, Oh, I shot a black bear in um, in Alaska at about 50 yards. Yeah, that's the closest I've ever been to one. No, I take that back. I shot one in Saskatchewan one time at probably 15 yards. I was up in a, in a stand. They put me up in a little stand over some bait. We were up there duck hunting, and the duck hunting wasn't too good. The guy said, you want to go bear hunting? I said, yeah, let's go bear hunting. So he took me out in the middle of the woods and said climb up in that tree right there and he said you see that log of bear come over in a little bit we've been pouring some kind of mixture of um i don't remember what syrup and stuff like that on he said he'll come just keep looking for him <laughs> and i did but, uh, well i know i know you got plenty to go back to just be advised i got to come film with you very shortly again so i, I know you love that part of it i know you love that yeah, man. Part of the process. Yep. listen go check out dewey's pawn chap or if you're in the vicinity check out gun traders on wade hampton boulevard Thank you for joining me today, sir. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. All right. The COVID cover-up. How deep did that go? This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.
You know, the big reason that I'm so against what happened during the COVID pandemic is because of the way it was uh, the way it was parlayed by the left, right? It was turned into something it was never meant to be, but it was very convenient. It, it served a lot of purposes. Um, GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. I am streaming live on the WORD Facebook page, and i got a bunch of podcasts available for you at the free Odyssey app. Anybody remember when uh, Rand Paul and Fauci were going back and forth, and, you know, this was after new evidence came out, and he gave a chance to retract his statement. He said, I will not retract my statement. I will not. If anybody doesn't know who's talking about what they're talking about, that would be you, except Rand Paul is a doctor. You know, he's an eye doctor, but he's a doctor nonetheless, and, uh, you know, I'm sure he knows a little bit more about some of these processes than most of these uh, common garden senators there. They used a lot of high-handedness with this. They withheld a lot of key information for a lot of people making policy. They didn't trust you to handle nuanced questions or awkward facts. They decided to psychologically nudge you into the proper behavior with some oversimplifications and half-truths and noble lies. Like, nobody died of anything but COVID in 2020. You realize that, right? Nobody died of anything but COVID. Now, when it began, a lot of people just simply accepted it because a lot of experts said it would just flatten the curve. But wow, what a fine two weeks that was. So the pandemic dragged on. And then we began we I mean we we began to see things around here like the closing down of Greenville for example. That seemed to be more of a thing that somebody thought was a smoking hot idea than anything based on reliable data. We had the flip-flop on the efficacy of wearing masks. The CDC and other agencies downplayed evidence that the virus travels mostly through the air. Their constantly repeated device to stay six feet apart and avoid touching your face turned out to be useless. You're being nudged. Health officials shut down parks and beaches and banned religious services, but you can still go buy some liquor. You can still go to the strip shop. Then we had the millions of demonstrators that flooded the streets during the George Floyd protests in the spring of 2020. Those same officials stood aside. Because of the chaos, they were, I mean, they like chaos. They love them some chaos. And, you know, that shift revealed how much every aspect of the COVID science and policy had become politicized. So the CDC maintained their support for mask wearing at school closures to meet demands of the teachers' unions, relying on discredited research in the process, and using that as the reason to do it. And then the public began to learn. We found out that the other agencies within the government and the government itself have been strong-arming Twitter and Google and Facebook, demanding that the company squelch questions about vaccine efficacy and any sort of criticism of the lockdown policy. And then we began to lose confidence. We lost confidence in what the public officials had to say and in the public officials themselves.
this was tremendously, tremendously bad for them. While Republicans and Republican leaners gave public health officials higher approval ratings at the start of the pandemic, by May 2022, it had gone from 84% to 29%. Throughout the, they thought those officials were doing an excellent job responding to the coronavirus outbreak. Support among Democrats stayed at a steady 74%. So, just like the financial crisis of 2008 destroyed the confidence in financial lenders, now COVID has exposed the many ways the health establishment was both overconfident and underprepared. And yes, yes, we should follow the science. What did the science tell us? Well, let's just look at masks. Let's just look at masks. I can't remember this guy's name. I had him on lock and load. I, it, it's been, gosh, it's been two or three years now. Yeah, two, at least two. So had him on. He held some of the patents on some of the masks. And he knew. And because he knew, that means that everybody knew. And he said it. He said it out loud on the show. He said that the particles of COVID are smaller than the pores in the surgical mask. And he illustrated this with a test they had done where they'd taken some plaster and ground it up into dust and put four or five people in a room with a bunch of these surgical masks on to test how well they were going to work with this size particle. And they blew them into the air conditioning, which they then inhaled. And when they took the mask off, their nose and mouth were caked with rings of plaster. So wearing a mask means uh, you're not blocking anything. And that's in the best case. You're not blocking anything. Wearing an N95 mask means it, it's only going to last you for a few hours and then you need another one. So every time you leave out of there, you got to have a sleeve of these things. And if you're not, then it's no better. After that filter fills up, and you better hope it doesn't get blocked, because then you just don't have any air coming in. So, you know, we had two big lies about this. One, that it, it was caused because a pangolin kissed a bat, right? That, 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 that's one way it started. Then somehow we caught that in the open air food markets of China, and then it turned over, and it ended up here. And then... The whole lot, that, that was the first lie. Everybody's out there. They didn't want to make it gain of function. That's no good. So, it was never about the science. This actually was embraced by the left and by the government and by the deep state, by the bureaucracy, because they already had in mind what they wanted the next election to look like. And mail-in voting made that easier. So, While you've got the government trying to suppress every debate about it, it succeeded in its primary function, which was to see how far they could push us and get mail-in voting and help steal an election. Congratulations. I hope it was worth it to you, because some things can't be regained. They now have a, uh, they have a new thing they recommend people in New York carry. I'm sure it's going to get here very soon. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. This is, this is a bad sign. You know when they make this sort of a recommendation, this is a really bad sign. 
This is a bad sign. The uh, GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Um, in New York City, they are now requesting that all residents of New York City carry Narcan to treat overdose victims in the street. Narcan is actually naloxone. Naloxone, is that what it is? It is an opiate antagonist that can reverse life-threatening effects of overdoses. Now, the problem with fentanyl, this is all about fentanyl. The problem with fentanyl is that if fentanyl is in the air around you, you can actually inhale the aroma of the fentanyl and go down. This happens to police officers a lot recently, you know, and, you know, yes, this is sort of an outlandish request. Can you imagine? I Like, I like the mask store. Does anybody like the mask store? I like out front of the mask store because it's always so festive out there and there's things happening. There's people walking dogs and, you know, street, street uh, entertainment. Can you imagine two or three people just dropping over from their fentanyl and, uh, you, know, ev- you know, everybody on the sidewalk says, I'm here, and they've got their Narcan cans with them. And they jump on it. Right now in New York City, They've had a 12% jump in overdose overdose deaths last year, which is, we're talking 3,000 people in New York City. Recently, a two-year-old boy died who was exposed to fentanyl. That's bad. Well, there's a lot of reasons this is happening, though. You know, uh, the failure to control the southern border, that's a big one. Right now, the cartels are the fifth largest employer in Mexico. And if you wonder who's controlling the border, it's not the Mexican government. It's not us. It's them. Opioids are bad for you because they have this tendency to interrupt your ability to breathe, especially if you take it in a high dose. Or if for some reason you decide to make a, you know, a cocktail. And uh, if if you see somebody going through this, you would see some shallow, slow breathing, a slow pulse, pale and cold skin, blue lips, altered mental status. And if you encounter somebody who is unconscious, they probably need Narcan immediately. And then they, there's a way to, this is a, uh, this is an aerosol. So you, you spray it as a nasal spray into them. Very effective. Comes with two doses. If the first dose is ineffective, you can give a second dose without worrying about any additional side effects. Even if you're not sure that they used opioids, give it to them anyway. That's what they're saying. (laughs) It doesn't cause harm and it's safe to take even when you don't have opioids in your system. And it's best to give this as soon as possible because the longer you wait, the more likely you will be uh, too late for the victim. And I'm not going to tell you how to administer Narcan because I don't think we're at that point yet. If you do, if you were to blast them back into the into this world, you might still have to give them CPR techniques. If you blast them back to the world, you're going to want to put them into the CPR recovery position, which is on their side so they can breathe easier. Um, and you can find it at your local pharmacy if you want some Narcan. I, you know, when I was talking to the sheriff of uh, Anderson County, Chad McBride, he was telling me that the new kick for these fentanyl users is to take so much fentanyl they kill themselves and to have some Narcan on hand to bring them back. That's part of the, the whole 
the whole immersive process of consuming this particular drug in Anderson County. <laughs> you don't need a prescription for it either. So until we close the border, we're going to have this continuing on forever. There's no interest in this administration to solve the border crisis. And New York City gets to tell its citizens to save overdose victims on their own because we're not coming. So that we give over 100,000 people minimum per year to this. That's how many we're going to lose. Are you going to go out and get some Narcan? I don't know if I'm going to go out and get some Narcan or not. I, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be sort of suspicious to somebody if you walk up to somebody and say, "Hey, you got any Narcan?" Do they have that at the Walmart pharmacy? That's where I get my drugs. Hey, do you guys have any Narcan? I might go find out about it. Although, I need to make sure that they understand what I'm doing when I do it. I don't want them to get out there and say, oh, well, the bald guy's obviously using the fentanyl, so he's got the Narcan, so we need to call the cops. Then, you know, I'm going out, and I've got, a, I've got somebody greeting me as I exit the store. That'd be just lovely, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'll be back here in about 22 hours. I will see you then. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.